Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Soulful Connections with Sam Black. Here, you will find opportunities for healing, renewal, and insightful conversation. Sam is an international psychic medium, trainer, and wellness coach, and is your answer for filling the soul. Good afternoon and welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm your host, Sam Black, and I am here in Niagara Falls, so excited to welcome my good friend, Tammy Adams, to the show today. And I'm really excited about this topic because, you know, it's something that everyone at some point goes through, and that's all about healing and grieving. And there's so many different myths around it that I really thought it'd be important to bring on an expert, someone who works with grief very deeply, a bit of a different perspective than the way that I work with my clients, so that we could give you guys tons of solutions and strategies and support for when you or someone you love is needing a little bit of extra attention. So let me tell you about Tammy. She's absolutely delightful. If you listen to my old show, Grounded Roots of Sam Black, you've heard her before. It was one of my most popular episodes. And, you know, Tammy, aside from being absolutely beautiful and sweet, she also is amazing with helping others become unstuck. She's a great coach and she's also a grief recovery specialist. So without further ado, Tammy Adams, welcome to Soulful Connections. Hi, Sam. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, thank you for joining me. How have you been? I've been amazing. This year has just been so exciting. Um, and I think that all has something to do a little bit with numerology, but it's a, it's a good year to be alive. It's always a great year to be alive. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the numerology and stuff because it's so funny. I get such a mixed bag when people come to see me. Either this has been like the most incredible year they've ever had or it's been such like challenge after challenge, but so much personal growth happening. And I think that I kind of fell into the second category with a lot of things, but you know, at the end of the day, really great things that I'm learning and growing from. And it sounds like you got to the blessed side and I, I'm not great with numerology, but I'm wondering, you know, if uh, our good friend, Laura Cannell, if you're listening, maybe you can shed some light on that, Laura, because you're really great with astro numerology. So Tammy, tell me some of the things that you have been up to with helping people through grieving and getting un stuck. Well, Sam, I, I just have to tell you that if you had told me this would be my choice of life work, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, <laughs> this was the hardest thing from, you know, my planned direction in life that I could have ever imagined that I would take. But the longer that I do this work, the more I realize just how important it is. And I've really come to believe with, with the people that I work with and the work that I've done on myself is that it's not really a question of do you have grief? It's more a question of are you aware that you're carrying grief? And are you aware of how much that hidden grief is affecting your capacity for happiness right here in the present moment? Absolutely. And, you know, I see this all time when clients come in looking for energy work or looking for some healing struggling with pain when I tap in often it's unresolved grief that is really what what they're feeling in their physical body so I love that you bring that up right at the beginning of the show can you tell us a little bit more about that well you know, I'm like you, I, I do a lot of energy work and, and there's other modalities that I incorporate into my practice. But what I've come to learn is grief is one of those human emotions that you really need to go through in order to come out the other side. And that makes the healing process a little more challenging because people don't want to talk about grief. They don't want to hear the word grief. We've been so taught to intellectualize it and deny it and push it down that um, our bodies were actually designed to process this pain, but we don't allow it to do that. Instead, we 
stuff it down. We internalize it. It literally goes into the cells of our bodies. And that's where it stays until it has an opportunity to release. And so by denying those emotions, much like you're saying, they can manifest in a physical form. Absolutely. Absolutely, they can. So can you share some of the ways that you've seen it manifest in physical form? Um, oh, so many. I think anxiety would be probably one of the biggest ones that people don't really identify with. Like when we think about grief, we think about sadness, we think about exhaustion, we think of a lack of focus, a lack of appetite. But we don't seem to be able to recognize when it's showing up in other forms. And I would say that this work that I do, aside from, you know, healing the pain of a past, helping someone to move through anxiety and give them the tools to cope with their anxiety is probably one of the most powerful um, aspects of this program. And, um, you know, in our in our society, I guess, we've been taught to label things, we've been taught to deny things, and we've been taught to medicate things. And what the grief recovery program does for, say, something like anxiety is it teaches you how to be with your emotions, not to bury them, to identify them and be honest with how you're actually feeling, and to allow you to own them. And what that does is gives you back your personal power because instead of denying the emotion and increasing the anxiety in our bodies, what we're actually doing is giving ourselves permission to feel and kind of work through those emotions, even if it's just from a feeling perspective, and our anxiety actually starts to diminish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, It's so interesting because often people will come to me saying, Sam, you know, I need some coaching, some, some hypnosis or whatever the case may be. I've got really bad anxiety. And when we really dig deep, the issue is not um, necessarily what they were thinking. It's actually underlying grief. Yes. And it can manifest in physical forms. Um, I've, I've had people with shoulder aches, with coughs. Um, with aches and pains that they cannot under or explain, or a low-grade anger that seems to simmer and then peak and simmer and then peak and then simmer and peak, and really these are all just ways that your body or your subconscious mind is trying to get your attention and let you know that there's something that needs to be dealt with. And like I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of modalities that can, you know, work very quickly to release certain things. But with grief, um, I put all of that stuff in the corner and I actually have people feel it and go through it. Absolutely. Now, can you, can you share with us for a moment? Because you mentioned that, you know, the taking the time to go through it. And what's really interesting is that I have a lot of people who will come to me and they'll say, you know, my family's getting a little sick and tired of how long it's taking me to get over this. And it just breaks my heart every time I hear it because, you know, I don't feel that there is a prescribed time period. Can you shed a little bit of light on that? Well, that's a really good question, Sam, and it kind of opens the door for me to kind of step into a little bit of the educational piece of the grief recovery method that I use. Um, I think, first of all, that people need to understand what grief is. Grief is the normal and natural reaction to an emotional loss of any kind, and it's also the conflicting feelings brought about by a change in something that's familiar. So if people in the audience just filter their life history through those two statements, it's kind of hard to deny that there might not be some grief hidden in there. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the next kind of misconceptions that we have about grief is um, that there's stages. We all hear the five stages of grief. Um, Anyone who is involved in any kind of support, um, therapy, counseling, whatever, we're, we're all taught it. When I was a, a career coach, I was taught the five stages of job loss. Um, when I wrote my manual, it's right in there, the, the five stages of job loss. But really, in fact, there are no 
feelings that are so universal that all grievers will go through them. And so the five stages of grief that we've all been taught were actually designed by a woman by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who um, came up with these um, five steps for someone who had received a diagnosis that they were terminally ill. And they were used to help that person move through the different emotions of dying. But she herself says right at the beginning of her book, please don't use this to support people through grief because that's not what it was designed for. So because in society we're made to feel as though our normal and natural emotions of grief aren't normal or natural, and because we're trying to heal ourselves through a model that was never designed to support grievers through grief, we tend to reach out for six myths to support us. And one of them you just touched on, time. Um, there, there is, time does not heal all wounds, and yet that's what we've been taught. It's the action that you take within the time that you have that allows you to move forward past the pain. So, you know, time heals all wounds is one of the six myths. Um, being strong for others. When we're trying to deny our emotions and put up a brave face for those that we're trying to support, um, not only are we not help being helpful to them in expressing their emotions, but we're prolonging our healing by denying the emotions that we are feeling inside. Um, we're taught to replace the loss. And as children, when you think about it, whether it was a goldfish, a kitten, a puppy, you know, we're taught, you know, well, it's okay. Like, don't feel bad. We'll get you another dog. We'll get you another cat. We'll get you another goldfish. And so at a very early age, we're taught to replace the loss that we've just experienced. Um, we're taught to grieve alone. Every TV show, every movie you watch, if someone experiences a loss, the supporting characters will say, we, we just need to leave them. They're grieving, so we need to leave them alone. And um, not to feel bad. We're encouraged in, in our Western culture not to feel bad or express those emotions. Um, so that's just, and the, oh, and the final thing is to stay busy. Mm-hmm. You'll see people are always encouraging someone who's experienced a loss, just stay busy because it's a way to distract ourselves from the, the pain that we're feeling. Does that help? Absolutely. Okay. Um, the other thing that I'd like to touch on too is um, we are so creative in our society to deny these feelings of grief that we have created all kinds of short-term energy relieving behaviors to um, skillfully tuck these away and everybody's different but they can range from a variety of things like you know shopping too much drinking too much um, drugs sex working too much anything we can do so that we don't have to be still and face those emotions it's very true it's very true and you know while we're on this and we're talking about healing we're talking about grieving I'd love to just share how this is impacting your, your spiritual body as well as your, you know, your unconscious mind with all of the programming that's in there. And as Tammy's saying, this is all distractionary stuff. And if you look at the body, the physiological piece of it, the fight or flight, you know, I was sharing with someone earlier, it's, it is a way of distracting ourselves as an escape. It's a coping mechanism. And it's not actually a coping mechanism that comes to resolution. It's a coping mechanism that hides whatever it is so that we can run away from it. And so you're talking, of, you know, about different things, keeping busy and turning to different addictions and things like that. And these are all ways that we escape. If you look at anyone who has addiction issues or someone who you know, will work too much, for example, or maybe just somebody who is always on the go, they'll often tell you it's too painful to just sit still. I can't mm -hmm. slow my mind down enough to sit still, things like this. And what really happens is that you're not actually healing. You're just 
going along with that fight or flight. And the fight or flight has never been designed to be on long term. And that's where we have people overrun with stress and it leads to deeper medical and health issues because that fight or flight is meant as a survival tool to kick on and then kick off. But when we keep it ongoing and that adrenaline continues and goes and goes and goes, there's no recovery time. There's no healing time to actually happen. So I love that you brought that up because so many people experience that and it's the way our culture and I'm saying deals with in quotes deals with problems whether that be someone's getting a divorce lost their job lost a loved one all of these different things actually our grief are mislabeled and instead we don't allow our body to recuperate much less our soul and our mind exactly and grief was never designed as a destination because our bodies know how to release these emotions. It's we don't allow that process to take place. And I think you touched on something really interesting because right at the beginning of the show, you said you and I both kind of um, deal with two sides of this same issue. And one side is the spiritual side and one side is the physical side. And lots of times I'll have spiritual people come into the grief recovery method program and they will say something to me like, well, you know, I, I'm not afraid of dying. I know we're energy. I know there's a life after this. So I'm, I'm not really sure while I'm here. And this is only my own personal view. This is not anything from grief recovery. But what I feel is that we're spiritual beings here having a human experience and Part of that human experience is learning how to navigate our human body. This is our vehicle for travel while we're here. And so going through and identifying and healing the grief emotions that are stored in our bodies allow us to learn how to operate this piece of equipment. Because our bodies are like any other piece of equipment. When they're not used properly, they start to break down. Just as you said, you know, it manifests in a physical form or, or maybe an extended emotional form or anxiety. And so part of, you know, even for those spiritual people who are listening in our audience, you know, part of this journey is learning how to understand and use our body so that we can accomplish the goals we came here to do. So I see it as, just like you said, two sides of the same coin working together to allow this to be the most enjoyable experience we can have. Absolutely, absolutely. And for those of you who've listened to me for a while, you know I really encourage healing needs to happen on the physical, the emotional, and the mental. It needs to happen on all of the levels in order for healing to truly take place. And this is really what Tammy and I are talking about. So Tammy, while we're chatting about this grieving, about healing, can you share the different ways that grief shows up? Because I know this is one of the big myths that people believe grief shows up just when someone dies or passes away, however you choose to phrase it. Um, and, and I really, I know, and you know, there are so many different ways that, that grief really shows up for people. Do you mind sharing some of those ways with us? It, oh, it can show up. It's so unique and so individual with each particular person. It's, it's hard to really kind of pinpoint it. Um, one of the things that I've been told by a psychologist is that 98% of what shows up in the workplace is unresolved grief. So if you just even go with that, you know, there's feelings of exhaustion, um, not being able to focus. I see very a, a lot of low-grade anger that is just kind of simmering under the surface, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, the individual just peaks. And, you know, there's, there's no real reason for why it happened. But if you picture a steam kettle, like one that's on the stove, and your unresolved emotions are the water inside the kettle, and the triggers are the heat, under the pot well when that pot boils normally the pressure can escape through the spout but 
in unresolved grief, it's like somebody's put a cork in the end of that spout. And so when that pressure builds inside with nowhere to go, there's just this explosion. And you're not really sure when or how it's going to present itself. Um, people who cannot be still are usually trying to um, keep busy so that they don't have to think. Because as soon as you're quiet, your mind kicks in, that voice inside your head, whatever. Um, I, I've, like we've just talked about, seen it manifest physically in a lot of different ways. And once the grief is resolved, that physical symptom seems to go as well. Now, I'm not diagnosing and I'm not a doctor. I'm just, you know, observing what I see. They, they come in and they've got this unexplained pain and we resolve or complete those emotions and then that pain just seems to go away. So it's an observation, nothing more, but it happens more often than I can, um, than I can, you know, recall. So there must be some kind of connection there. Um, and I also see people stepping away from life. We tend to, um, you mentioned it earlier, you know, if the family gets tired of listening to us talk, you know, it's, you should be over this by now. Our girlfriends do the same thing, our coworkers. And so what we tend to do is we really tend to push this down again and pretend that we're fine because we're programmed for human acceptance. And so when people start to step away from life, you know, they, they stop going to the dinner parties, they stop going out for dinner, going to the show, engaging in any kind of social activity. Why is that? What is it that they, why they've stepped away? And usually it's people don't want to, to hear about their pain anymore and they don't know how to stop talking about the pain anymore. So they just step away. Mm-hmm. And there's also the piece too, where some, some of the loved ones, they feel powerless in how to help. You know, so many of us are, are, you know, helpers or fixers or <laughs> caregivers. And so to have someone we love going mm-hmm. through grief, there is no magic wand that we can wave to make everything all better. And so it creates a discomfort. So even if the loved ones aren't saying anything, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's the gr- person in grieving, perceiving, or even not inaccurately perceiving that people don't really want to hear it. It's just they don't know how to help. What do you think about that? Oh, that's 100% true. There is such a disservice in our culture because one, we, the griever doesn't know where to go for help, but the grieving support system doesn't know where to go either. And part of that disconnect comes from the fact that emo, or grief is 100% emotional. We are taught to problem solve intellectually. And so when a griever reaches out for support, you will hear probably a lot of those same things. You know, it was God's will. They're in a better place. Well, you're lucky you had them this long. They're not suffering anymore. Those are all intellectual statements. And yes, intellectually, they may be true. But to that griever, this experience is 100% emotional. And so if you're trying to support someone with an emotional loss, with an intellectual approach, there's going to be and there will remain a disconnect. And that can also create a gap between those two people, because you're right, it's awkward. People don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And if I was to give the audience um, a really helpful tip is when they come across someone who has experienced a loss, please do not say, I know exactly how you feel. We tend to um, want to support people and we do what we know, which is try to identify or empathize with them by saying, you know, I've been through what you're going through. I know how you feel. But grief is 100% individual, and there is possibly no, it's impossible for anyone to know how someone else is feeling. So it's better to say, I can't imagine what you're going through. 
I can't imagine how devastating this must be to you. And right away, the griever feels heard and understood because they've acknowledged the fact that they really don't know how they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we also have that other thing that happens when people, especially if there's been a death, Mm -hmm. where people are, for the first couple weeks, they're there Mm -hmm. um, lots and lots and lots. And then it tapers off. And yet, if we look at the shock and things like that, often it's that three to six weeks later that people really could use the support. And that's when they're finding they're the most alone, or at least this is what I keep hearing from my clients. Have you also had that same experience, Tammy? I do. And I think it falls back into what we were just talking about. People just don't know how to be there. Those rituals are are kind of clear at the beginning, you know, you you bring a casserole, you send flowers, you show up at the funeral home, that sort of thing. People kind of know what to do, whether it's the right or wrong approach for the griever is, you know, up to them. But at least people kind of know the steps traditionally what to take. But then when that rule book's gone, it's like, I, I don't know what to do. And yet the best thing they can do to support their friend or family member is just to be a heart with ears you know no advice yeah no advice no criticism no you should be over this by now just to be able to sit and listen just let them talk because what grievers want more than anything else is just to be listened to with dignity and respect to be heard yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing that I've also come across. So I've had, because I'm, I am a medium and I, I do connect with loved ones on the other side, I've had people come forward to me who, you know, have lost their partner. And they'll say to me, you know, I'm having a, a hard time because I found love again and my family feels it's been too soon. It's too soon for that. And when we get talking, what they quickly discover is that they actually started grieving. Perhaps their partner had been sick for 10 years or, you know, really intense six months or a year or something. And so that grieving actually started before the death happened. And so for them, the actual death event is actually a release for them. And, and often loved ones really have a hard time understanding that. And I know in my own family, my grandmother passed away and my grandfather was married, I think in less than a year. And it, and it was quite devastating for a lot of the family members. However, you know, my grandmother was sick for 20 years at least before that. So, so can you share a little bit about the grief when people are actually still living? Well, I think Um, I'd like to start that by going back a little bit more again to that definition of what is grief. Mm -hmm. Grief is is the things that we wished had been better, different, or more. It's those unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations um, that never really happened. It's about saying what needs to be said, um, maybe saying things that we didn't have an opportunity to say, or things that we need to say just one more time. And completion is brought about by delivering these emotional statements that maybe either either weren't heard, um, never were said, or maybe just need to be said again. And so when you filter your loss through better, different, more, unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations and communications, not everyone will view a loss the same way. Some people will feel complete and some people won't. And that's where that individuality comes in. Um, Let's say you and I are sisters and let's say our mother died. Even though we're sisters, we were raised in the same family, we are going to grieve that loss 100% based on our relationship with that person. And so the grieving process will be filtered through that relationship. And so each family member is going to grieve the loss of a particular person in their own way. And if we could just respect that, it would make it so much easier for everyone. But, you know, we're human beings and we tend to filter everything through right and wrong. And so, well, if you're not grieving the same way that I am, 
then you're wrong because I'm right. And I think that's what plays in a lot of times to this. We forget the fact that grief is individual and we are going to grieve that particular loss based on our own personal relationship. And if we use the grandpa for an example, we have no idea what conversations the two of them had, um, private conversations or how the grandfather came to the, the fact that, you know, he was ready to move forward beyond this pain. And so trying to keep that right or wrong, that analysis, that judgment, that comparison out of it allows people to move through the process at their own, at their own pace. Does, does that help? Oh, absolutely it does. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting. I love how you mentioned that even in the same family, people have different experiences. And I find even coming down to, you know, family roles and things like this, people are programmed in certain ways with certain people, how they act, feel, and behave. And so it's really interesting, even as part of that grieving process, many people have to break down that relationship. And what did it really look like to me? What did it mean to me? And how am I taking that relationship into my relationship with others? So um, I really love that you're saying we can't, we can't judge. We don't know what's happened behind closed doors. What I always tell people and what I've been shared with by spirit is that the love is what is remaining. I have yet to have any spirit come forward in a reading, and I've been doing this for 25 years. Any time, I've never had them say, oh, my gosh, she moved on too soon. I've only been dead a year. <laughs> it's never, ever happened. And instead, what does come forward is, um, I love you. I'm okay. I want you to be happy. Honey, it's time to move forward. Or, you know, honey, you've got to get that pipe fixed down in the basement. <laughs> like these are the things that come forward in messages. And so I really take spirit as my teacher. And, and I try to share with people that we need to do what feels right for us in our journey and our healing. And those shoulds and expectations really just muddy the water. They don't make things clearer. Well, and I think there's, an, there's also another really important piece to this. Um, somewhere along the line, we've been taught that the length of time we grieve is reflective of the love that we had for that person. Mm -hmm. Pain equals pain. Pain does not equal love. Grieving for 20 years because of a beautiful love affair that you had with a partner, um, it, it does not reflect the amount of love that you had for that person. But completing those emotions allows you to set that pain down and remember with fondness the time mm -hmm. that you spent together and be able to move forward free of that pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tammy, we've got a caller waiting for us. So we actually have a couple, but I'm going to take this one caller who's been waiting a couple minutes. So um, area code 779, welcome to Soulful Connection. Hello. Hi there. How can we help you? Hi. Uh, what's your thought on, like, um, depression? Oh, my goodness. Um, I need some some more information around that. So remember, Tammy and I are not doctors, so we don't diagnose, but we can certainly give you some insight. Can you share a little more with us? Yeah. So, like, how how does how do I say this? How what's your thoughts on like depression and like how it manifests in uh, daily American life? Uh, because there's a lot of Americans that are depressed, you know, if you look at the statistics. Um, why do you think that is? Well, I'll get started first. first. I think there's so many different reasons. So um, we're talking about grieving and healing today, but I think there's also some other reasons. So we've got, um, you know, a very large proportion of, North Americans are overworked, uh, isolated because of, you know, technology and various reasons. The downtime is gone. So we used to have times of rest and things like that with family and people we love. And that's really changed to a 247 world of 
work constant interactions, but they're not human interactions. And so I, I believe a big part of depression has to do with that isolation, has to do with the lack of downtime and the lack of recovery time. But I also believe you know, there's a lot of things happening around grieving and undiagnosed grief and untreated grief that really leads to depression as well. So there's so many different things happening in our world, whether it has to do with um, poverty, whether it has to do with war, whether it has to do with um, breakdowns in families, there's so many different things happening. So we just certainly can't pinpoint an exact reason, but I can tell you all of these things do lead to an increase in depression. Um, and I certainly see this in my office quite often. So Tammy, do you want to share anything around the grief with respect to depression? Well, I think it comes back to those three filters for grief. When you, when you look at your life, um, when you look at the things that you wished had been better, different or more, um, dreams that didn't come to fruition, things that you wished you had said to people that you didn't have the opportunity to do so, um, those things can manifest in a feeling of loss of control, loss of safety, that sort of thing. And by going through and identifying what those losses are and completing the pain of those losses, what it does is it closes that circuit and allows us to put those thoughts down. There's so much that happens in our life that we have absolutely no control over. But what we have control over is, you know, our reaction to that. And if we're not being honest with our feelings about about the losses in our lives, then we internalize those and they just stay active until we find a way to complete them. Does that help at all? Okay, so our callers dropped off. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, I know certainly it's tough because people want to call and they want to get help. And, and, you know, Tammy and I love supporting our callers, but we're not able to give diagnosis per se, per se um, whether that's in the office or online. But uh, there are ways that we can help. There are different things that we can do. There are different things that you can do, more importantly. So here's what I would challenge the caller or anyone listening. If you feel you've got some issues around depression or you're maybe just finding yourself pulling away from, from life, look and see, like Tammy asked, what are the different things in your life that you've experienced loss, um, wish things could be different, and then maybe examine that and see, is this really an issue around grief or do I maybe have something else that I need to tackle because it's such a big issue because depression itself, there is the psychological aspect. There's a physiological aspect. There's the uh, limiting belief aspect. There's the socialization aspect. There's so many different things that we need to take into consideration um, that it's really important. We start right from the beginning and you know, your body best. And I love that Tammy said, getting really honest with, um, what you're experiencing because that's how you can really ask the questions that are going to help move you forward. Um, Sam, can I just interject here a little bit? Absolutely. Um, um, I, I think one of the things that, that happens is, you know, we're really prepared for getting stuff, but it doesn't matter our education or our experience. We're very ill-prepared for losing things. And so it might help our re our listeners if I just identify some types of grief because our minds tend to go to um, death and divorce. And there's so many other causes for grief that people probably wouldn't even think of. Would it be helpful if I'd I did that? I'd love if you'd highlight some. Absolutely. Let's go there. Okay. So, of course, there's the death of a loved one or a pet. Um, and divorce. And there's also the breakup of a romantic relationship. That's where our minds always go. But what about a broken friendship? What about an estrangement from a family member or from your birth family altogether? What about adoption? What about abortion? What about a stillbirth? Um, what about having a baby? 
we tend to look at having a baby as a happy occasion, but it's also a change in something that's familiar. And a lot of moms really struggle with that drastic change that comes upon us with that first baby. Um, What about abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, as a child or as an adult? What about a financial windfall or a financial loss? We can identify with the financial loss, but look at all of the people who win a lottery who lose it all because they may not have taken the time to grieve the change in something that was familiar. They'd gone from paycheck to paycheck to being able to have whatever they want, but they never grieved the transition from one to the other. Empty nesting, graduating, especially if it's from college or university, you're making another transition from being a student to being a working adult. Moving, especially if you were a child and you had several moves and several school changes at a very young age. A loss of safety, a loss of faith, a loss of control. There are over 40 reasons why someone might grieve, and yet our minds only take us to three of those. And I think another layer of this that complicates things is our definition and our understanding of forgiveness. So many times we hold on to the hurt and the resentment of somebody of what someone did to us because we feel if we forgive that person, we've let them off the hook or what they did wasn't really all that bad. And yet, I'm sure you know, Sam, um, forgiveness is 100% about us and letting go of that pain. It's about saying, I'm not going to let you hurt me anymore. It's about giving up the hope for a different or better tomorrow. And so when we don't understand what those over 40 reasons are, we could grieve. And if we really don't understand that forgiveness is about us moving forward, again, we can keep stay trapped in these emotions, unable to move forward. And that can bring about some of those uh, symptoms that we were talking about earlier with the exhaustion and the low-grade anger and the need to stay busy. So I hope that helps a little bit. Absolutely, it does. And I love that you highlight those because I can honestly say the deepest grief I've ever experienced was my job loss after the accident that I was in. I really didn't know what to do with myself. And keeping in mind, I am, you know, educated in in particular in these types of things, but that really knocked my socks off. I wasn't expecting it because in my mind, grieving was really about so many other things. So, um, so I love that you highlight all of that because it really helps give some insight for people and help them understand, hey, wait a minute, that really was grief that I went through. Um, maybe there's a little bit of it left, but yeah, that's certainly, I just figured, you know, put on my big girl pants and move on. Cause that's the way our society talks to us. Right. Um, yep. and, and in so many cases, we really do need to pause and reflect and our society's not built anymore to support people through that. No. And, and like you, when, when I started to identify my own grief and, and complete the pain of my past. What I realized for the first time was I had full-blown postpartum depression with the birth of my first child. And back then, people didn't talk about it. Um, There was really no support systems for it. And it wasn't until I started to, like I say, complete the pain of my past that I realized, oh, my gosh, not only was I dealing with all the changes in my body and, and the changes of bringing a baby home and into our home, but it was complicated by postpartum depression that I didn't even know I had. So Absolutely. Being able, yeah, being able to identify that, complete it, and just put it down, oh, so freeing, so freeing. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And, you know, another thing I'm not going to dive in deeply to, but I do want to mention, you know, it's important to trust your body and what you're needing Because as we've mentioned, grief shows up in so many different ways. And I am not able to diagnose the medical side of grief. 
And at the same time, many physicians are not able to identify the emotional, spiritual side of grief. And so their medicine is, is a prescription often, and that can be a wonderful Band-Aid if it's needed. However, at some point, the actual emotion still needs to be released. Doesn't that make sense to you too, Tammy? It absolutely does. And, you know, one of the things I'd like the listeners to take away today, if they can, is, you know, as human beings, um, we tend to need a crisis, and I'm no different, um, in order to make that change in our lives. But to identify and heal the pain of your past, you don't need to wait for that crisis. Um, You can start identifying and healing this grief whenever you want. And the benefit of doing that prior to a crisis is the fact that as human beings, we tend to repeat the same experiences over and over and over again until they are complete. So if you find yourself, you know, going through a series of unsuccessful um, relationships or a series of unsuccessful career moves or physical moves, like from city to city, if you're looking for something that you just can't find the answer for, um, you know, sitting down and identifying that grief and completing it allows you also the opportunity to change that pattern. So um, I just would like people to really hear, you don't have to have a crisis in order to see you know, are there uh, losses in my past that I haven't dealt with? Because not every loss is going to feel incomplete. I mean, you know, you experience losses on a regular basis, and most of them we move through just fine on our own. But for those big ones that you didn't really know what to do with, it's never too late to sit down and, and figure out what those are so that, like you say, you can put them to rest. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. And I love that you bring that up because we do see that, you know, how many people have been, you know, in a, in an unhealthy relationship and their next relationship is the same character type as the first one, right? Because it's unresolved. So without even understanding it, you're running a program, it's all unconscious and running a program. And until you identify what the pain is or what the belief is and shift it, you'll continue running that program. So, you know, Tammy offers grief recovery to her clients. You can do that by distance or in person. And I have timeline therapy. And also I work with spirit. And those are the ways that I help my clients through grieving. But Tammy, do you have some strategies that our listeners can do right at home? If they're, if they're feeling stuck and in grieving and needing some healing, what are three suggestions you could give them that they can do all on their own? Well, the first one I would suggest is becoming aware, just aware of the emotions or how your body's feeling. Um, There's no way that you can take action if you don't realize that there's action that needs to be taken. So just by listening to this interview, um, listeners may become more aware of emotions they were carrying that they didn't know existed. So As with everything I do, awareness is always step one. Um, Become honest with the emotions that you have so that you can start to heal. If there's somebody that you're missing, allow yourself to miss them. Don't deny the emotions. Don't stuff them down. Sit and be still and allow that sadness to flow through you. Become aware of how you distract yourself. You know, what is it that you're trying to avoid? So next time you find yourself, you know, working 12 hours at a job, you're only supposed to be there for six. Do they really need you for those other six hours? Or is there something that you're trying not to look at? Um, And finally, if you... If you have discovered that you've got some unresolved pain in your past, find someone who is willing to just sit and listen without judgment, without trying to fix it, without criticism. And I guess finally, being 1% open to the idea that life could be different. You know, yes, you've been like this for a long time, especially if you're dealing with a lot of loss in your past. But 
just a 1% open-mindedness that maybe things could be different if maybe you took some action. So that's Thank my Thank you. Those are so helpful. And so I'm going to share a few ideas as well to complement Tammy's amazing ideas for you. And my first recommendation is to practice just sitting and being aware of what you're feeling and where you're feeling it. And I'll give you an example. One of the things that that shows up sometimes, Tammy mentioned shoulder pain sometimes shows up for grieving. And certainly I'd say shoulder arm pain and carpal tunnel are one of the um, the biggest physical signs that I've seen correlated with grief. And so if while you're listening, as long as you're not driving, play, play for a moment with me because you guys know I love to play. So I'd love for you to imagine there's a rope in front of you. And with your hand, if you grab that rope and hang on to it with all your might, I'd love for you just for a moment, take a look at your arm, what muscles are engaged, run your hand over your arm and feel how tense that is. You're going to quickly see like that carpal tunnel, that's your wrist, your joints, all of that stuff. And it goes all the way up your arm to your shoulder and into your neck. Okay. And now I want you to gently just release your hand, open it up as though you're letting that rope go. And it's a little uncomfortable after we've been squeezing so hard to let go, even though we know it's going to ease all those muscles and all that tension. And understand that grieving is a lot like that. We're hanging on to something, whether it be a belief, the loss, the um, missing our, our loved one or missing the opportunity that we thought was coming forward. Whatever that is that you're missing, that's what that's hanging on to that rope. Okay. And even though you aren't physically hanging on to it, understand that your body is physically hanging on to it. And the release sometimes is uncomfortable. And not because we want you to be uncomfortable, but because I want you to be present with your body, be present with what you're feeling and acknowledge it to allow it to let go and pass. Okay. So that's one idea. The next one is to journal. And this could be journaling your dreams. I know some of you reach out to me because you have your loved ones visit you in dreams. Some of you reach out to me because you don't feel you have any dreams. Have a journal by your bedside that even if it's in the middle of the night, you can just grab that pen. You don't even have to turn on the light. Just scribble in it, whatever comes to mind, close it and go back to sleep. Acknowledging what that is. Because often we receive that message that healing's happening on the unconscious level, and sometimes that is how it manifests so that it comes into our reality. And journaling how you're feeling and what you want different. So um, the reason I suggest that second step is because sometimes we can be just so stuck in, I feel this discomfort. I'm feeling this discomfort. And instead of being able to see that light at the end of the tunnel, or the, you know, candles on the wall, whatever it is, it's going to help you see the bigger picture. We just stay stuck in that tunnel vision. And so I really encourage you when you're in that space where you're like, this is not working for me. I don't like how this feels, or I really am sad about how this turned out. Allow yourself to dream a little bit with what you want differently, because once you identify what could be different, and it might just be a matter of, I'd like to be out of be able to get out of bed and not feel grumpy because I just want to hide from the world. A lot of people tell me that that's their experience and, and it's okay if that's your experience, but what will it take then for us to move from being in that space of not feeling worthy enough to feel that happiness, feeling guilty if we feel that happiness. And once we can identify what we want instead, we can find the helpers in the world that can help us get from point A to point B. And then the third thing I'm going to really encourage is touch, physical, real touch, not just on Facebook, which I have to say, Facebook and different things like that offer wonderful support to people. You know, my aunt passed away in March, and right up until she passed, she was so grateful to her Facebook friends. She had a very rare disease, so it's not like she could have a lot of physical contact with people who were going through the same thing as her in her backyard. But she could go on Facebook and there were hundreds of people going through what she was going through. So it really can be helpful. However, 
we are having a human experience. And in order to really encompass that, we need the physical touch. Allow a friend to hold your hand. Cry on someone's shoulder if that's what you feel you need to do. See smiles on little children and allow that smile to be reflected back from your mouth. Allow yourself to participate. And sometimes that might sound like a really big chore, depending on what you're going through. But please just trust that you're meant to be here interacting and and you can bring so much healing and love to others as well as yourself by interacting. So, um, so those are my suggestions. And they're real life world things. And I and I'm not at all suggesting that it's always easy. But just like releasing that rope, I do know that it will become a little easier, even though the memory is still there. Those are great, Sam. Those were wonderful examples. Wonderful. So, Tammy, thank you for being here. How can our listeners connect with you? Um, They can connect with me through my website at www.tadams.ca. Um, and they can reach me by email at tdadams@rogers.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, if they just put Tammy Adams in um, Facebook, it'll be attached to my business page, which is called Intuitive Understanding. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And for the listeners listening, I do have Tammy's link right in the bio. Just click on her name. It'll take you right to her website. Tammy, as always, I love you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for all of the healing work you're doing in the world. Well, thank you, Sam. And ditto right back to you. Um, I think we make a great team as far as um, offering the listeners um, ways that they can reach out and Definitely from two different perspectives, but um, as you know, healing is full circle and um, just reaching out is the important step. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for being here, whether you're catching the live episode or whether you are catching the replay on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you and keep the letters coming in. You know, your um, suggestions, I'm listening and I'm finding guests that will really help bring wisdom and insight to you. If you love the show, please consider subscribing on iTunes and on Blog Talk Radio. And if you're looking to connect with me, you can always do that at www.samblack.ca. If you're looking to do a little bit deeper work with me, you can also try www.consciouslycreatingwithsam.com. And that is where I have my Consciously Creating Your Life and Consciously Creating Your Business programs available to you. Now, if you're wanting to see me live, you're wanting to see me in person, I will be busy coming up and there's lots of opportunities. So here in Niagara Falls, Ontario, I am offering my spirits and wine event. It's a mediumship event, very intimate. I only sell 40 tickets per month for that. And it seems to be selling out And I'm so blessed because in July, my good friend, Lindsay Marino, she will be joining me. And then in August, Erin Pruitt, who's been on the show, you guys have loved her and I do too. Erin will be joining me live for Spirits and Wine here in August. And then we'll be heading to Lilydale in New York to be teaching all about healing through past lives. And my good friend, Shirley Felder, will also be teaching with me in Lilydale the day before when we're talking about life's messengers and messages. Thank you again for joining. I just love spending this time with you and bringing on these wonderful guests. But I really, I love hearing back from you. So I can't wait to do that. Have an absolutely gorgeous day. Keep loving and healing. Keep um just living your your purpose and living your magic because you make such a great difference. Love you a lot.